We begin a new sermon series today, a series reflecting on the stories that are represented in the stained glass windows throughout our sanctuary. Our hope is that this will enable you to feel a bit closer to this sacred space, even while we continue to worship remotely. I'm grateful to Guy White, whose photographs appear a bit in our worship service this week. You will see even more of them in the weeks to come. Now, most of you know this, of course, but in case there are any joining us today who have not stood in this space before, the windows that surround this sanctuary depict a variety of gospel stories. Now, I don't know about you, but even more often than usual these days, I find myself thinking about how much the world needs the truth that the gospels can offer us. The thing about stained glass windows is that the more light that is filtered through them, the more beautiful and vibrant and alive they become. So let us pray that we too might be filled with light, the light of Christ, that we too might become more beautiful and vibrant and alive in our faith. Gracious God, shine through us as we hear your word, and as we share it with the world. Amen. Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 10, verses 46 through 52. As Jesus and his disciples and a large crowd were leaving Jericho, Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, a blind beggar, was sitting by the roadside. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many sternly ordered him to be quiet, but he cried out even more loudly, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still and said, call him here. So they called to the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he is calling to you. So throwing off his cloak, Bartimaeus sprang up and came to Jesus. Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, my teacher, let me see again. Jesus said to him, go, your faith has made you well. And immediately he regained his sight and he followed him on the way. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So if you have spent much time looking at this particular window, you'll notice that it simply says along the bottom, healing the blind. And if you've spent much time with the Bible, you'll notice that there's more than a few stories that could fit the bill. So why choose Bartimaeus? The answer, in part, is older than these windows. It's even older than the gospel itself. The story of Bartimaeus begins more than three centuries before Jesus walked the earth. Now, to fully understand this, bear with me as we barrel through an absurdly abbreviated introduction to philosophy course. 
Now, no matter who is teaching an intro to philosophy class, Plato will show up in it. Plato focused a tremendous amount of time and attention on the question of what makes human beings human? What makes us human? What separates us out from all of the other living creatures with whom we share this planet? He answers this in part through a piece titled Timaeus. He features a character of his own creating, Timaeus, whom he casts as a Greek philosopher. He uses all of this to explain that what defines humanity is our capacity to observe the world around us, and then based upon those observations, to draw conclusions about the ways of God, and then through reason, to shape and adapt our behavior in a manner that correlates with the ways of God. Now, the most reliable tool for this observation, Timaeus says, is our sight. It is through sight, he says, that knowledge and wisdom and reasoning become part of our human experience. He explains it this way. I reckon, he writes, that the supreme benefit for which sight is responsible is that not a word of all that has ever been said about the universe could have been said if we had not seen the sun and the stars and the heavens. As it is, the sight of day and night, the months and returning years, the equinoxes and solstices, all of this has caused the invention of number, which has given us the notion of time, which has allowed us to inquire into the nature of the universe. From this, we have derived philosophy, which is, he writes, the greatest gift ever given to mortals. Sight is the key to everything, he says, and those who see the most clearly, those who go on to become philosophers, they are the ones who understand God the most. This makes them the most human. Now, it should come as little to no surprise that it is a philosopher, and a philosopher who creates another philosopher as his lead character, no less, that suggests that philosophers stand at the apex of humanity. But the necessary corollary to all of this, though, is that those with any sort of lesser capacity to see are therefore less able to observe and therefore less able to understand, and therefore less human. Now, no matter what you may think of all of this, remember that through Timaeus, Plato, Plato presents this hierarchy of humanity, and he presents it not just as agreeable to God, but as created by God. Into all of this history enters Bartimaeus on the outskirts of Jericho. Now his story is the only time in any of the Gospels where we know the name of a person who receives healing. All on its own, that is worth paying attention to. 
In Aramaic, which is the language Jesus spoke, the word bar means son. So the name Bar Timaeus means all on its own, son of Timaeus. But Mark spells it out in the Greek too, just to make sure we can't possibly miss the connection. Scripture reads, Bar Timaeus, son of Timaeus. Bartimaeus, son of philosophy. Bartimaeus, son of human hierarchy. Bartimaeus, son of the one who prizes sight above all else. When Bartimaeus shows up in the gospel, Bartimaeus is blind. Now you could call it coincidence, but the gospel writers, if they are anything, they are never casual with their words. And they are never casual about the details that are left out or included. Through Timaeus, Plato establishes an incredibly neat and tidy way of understanding the world and where everyone fits within it. It is complex, but the results are clear and they are even predictable. Through Bartimaeus, though, the Gospels tear a hole into that entire system. The Gospel of Mark begins with the heavens themselves being torn open in chapter 1, verse 10. And the Gospel of Mark ends with the curtain of the temple being torn from top to bottom in chapter 15, verse 38. And it is through Bartimaeus that the Gospel of Mark tears apart the culture's predominant way of understanding humanity and insists that the way of Christ is different, that the way of Christ must be different, that the way of Christ will be different. And sometimes that's exactly what healing looks like. Not for nothing, I have been preaching for just shy of nine minutes now. The amount of time that I have been speaking to you this morning is actually shorter than the amount of time that George Floyd had a knee pressing down upon his neck. Our country stands in need of tremendous healing. George Floyd is just among the most recent in a long list of black lives cut short because of problematic assumptions, misplaced fears, and unacceptable policies. Brianna Taylor, a black EMT in Louisville, Kentucky, was shot in her own home when police stormed through the wrong door. Ahmad Arbery was murdered by men with guns for the crime of jogging through their neighborhood. George Floyd said, I can't breathe over and over and over again, loud enough for passers-by to hear, but not loud enough to shout down decades, centuries even, of systemic racism. Our country stands in need of tremendous healing. But it is not just our country. It is our church, too, and all of us in it. I mentioned before that Bartimaeus is the only healing story in which we learn the name of the one who was healed. But his story is unique in another way, too. His story 
is also the only one in which the person who is healed of their blindness acknowledges it themselves before the miracle happens. Now, there are plenty of other stories in which sight is restored, but in those stories, blindness is simply presented to the reader as background narrative fact. Bartimaeus is different. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asks him. And he says, please, teacher, I want to see again. In other words, Bartimaeus admits his blindness. Now, I know that that sounds ridiculous because people who are physically blind, they are always aware of it. Back at my church in Kansas City, there, there is a young girl. In my mind, she's still a middle schooler. I imagine she is, in fact, soon to be making decisions about college. But in my mind, Ashley is still in the sixth grade. She is the youngest member of the youth choir, but she has a voice so good that she took center stage right away. Now, every time the youth choir would process into the sanctuary, another member of the choir would hold Ashley's elbow the entire way, all the way down the aisle and through the chairs into the choir section because Ashley is blind. Once you know her, it's absolutely not the first thing you think about her, and it is never the first thing she will tell you about herself. But every day, every hour of her life, Ashley is aware of what she can't see. And most of us are nowhere near that aware. Because here's the thing, even those of us who can see, we still have blind spots. Actually, all vertebrates do. The retina of every one of our eyes has an actual blind spot. It's officially called a scotoma. It's the region in the eye that has no light-sensitive cells. And so light that arrives at that precise spot has no path to the visual areas of our brains. It is possible for something to be present, to actually be present, but for us to not see it at all. It's there, but it remains invisible to us. It's like driving a car. No matter how vigilant we are about checking our mirrors, there are certain areas around the perimeter of a car that cannot be seen by either the rear view mirror or the side mirror. I didn't own a car when I lived in New York, so I had to buy one just recently after I moved here. The car that is new to me, it's only a few years old. It has a lot more features than my last car. It actually has something called blind spot detection. There are radar sensors on my back bumper that monitor the blind spot areas of my car and a small symbol lights up on my mirror to show me what I cannot see for myself. So it wasn't that long ago that two researchers from Harvard 
they began investigating a different kind of blind spot, one that has nothing to do with visual perception and everything to do with hidden bias. Hidden bias, as they define it, is any bit of information about social groups that is stored in our brain because we encounter it so often in the world that's around us. And once it is fixed in our brains, hidden bias influences our behavior toward members of particular social groups. And the entire time this is happening, we are completely oblivious to its existence and its influence. These researchers, their names are Mazarin Banaji and Anthony Greenwald. They developed a test called the Implicit Association Test, and it reveals our hidden bias and blind spots. Using the same scientific process, they have created a number of different versions of this test to assess different amounts of associations that we have, or essentially prejudice that we have. Now, one tested people's relative preference for two American icons, Oprah Winfrey and Martha Stewart. And they say it was a perfect and humorous example of their point. It is a perfect and humorous example of just how unbelievable we find the idea that our behavior is guided and shaped by blind spots. They received an email that read, Dear Harvard people, there is absolutely no way I would ever prefer Martha over Oprah. Your test is broken. You should fix it. Sincerely, Frank. Now, Ashley from my church in Kansas City, not a day of her life goes by when she isn't aware of what she can't see. Because physical blindness is like that. But other kinds of blindness, we can deny those all the time. Even when they measure things that don't matter very much. So imagine how much more we resist the reality of our blindness when it reveals our hidden bias regarding race. Now, the creators of this test, they developed an implicit association test that actually measures our associations and preferences and prejudices related to white people and black people. The test is available for anyone who wishes to take it, but they caution multiple times that you should not take it if you are not prepared to be confronted with results that run a bit counter to the image or understanding of yourself that you have nurtured for quite some time. The racial implicit association test, they say, holds up a mirror in which most of us see a reflection we don't recognize. The overwhelming majority of test takers, regardless of what they claim to believe, regardless of what they believe they believe, show an automatic preference for white relative to black. Even the two that created the test were distressed by their own results. 
on a test that they developed and authored. They couldn't outsmart their own work because their work objectively identifies hidden bias. And not even those creators can willfully course correct for something they cannot see in themselves. Bartimaeus begs Jesus, please, teacher, let me see again. This juncture in our shared life together, in this country, as a church, it demands that we acknowledge that there are things about ourselves that we cannot see. This juncture in our shared life together demands that we acknowledge the existence of our blind spots and work faithfully to flood them with light so that we learn to see rightly. Now this is the work of a lifetime, not a moment. And it is not easy. It is, however, faithful. So know this, Shandon, that even as we are now exploring opportunities for opening our doors again, so too are we exploring opportunities for opening our eyes. More information will be coming to you in the next few days through our website and through email about conversation groups and book study groups that will form by Zoom. It's only a first step, but it is a first step. Bartimaeus begs Jesus, please let me see again because he knows he's blind. Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, Bartimaeus, son of philosophy, Bartimaeus, son of human hierarchy, Bartimaeus, who shows up in the gospel to tear down the predominant and prejudicial systems of his day. May we find it within ourselves to stand alongside of him and say right along with him, please, let me see. Because the way the gospel tells it, friends, that is when the healing will actually begin. Pray with me. Gracious God, we believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.